Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Fuel and electricity prices are going through the roof. So what can you do about it? Well, there's one thing you can do and help the planet at the same time. Put in solar panels. But how easy or hard is that to do? How expensive is it? And how much of a dent might it actually make in a country known for cloudy, rainy days and dark winters? Well, today we're going to find out because joining me is someone who's done it, Castlebridge founder Dara O'Brien, as well as an expert in domestic solar installation, Tim Cooper, who'll answer some of the trickier questions. You're both very welcome to the podcast. Um, Dara, I'm going to start with you, just as somebody who has put in some solar. How long have you had a solar system? Uh, we got it installed last August. Last August. What did you have before? Um, well, we were gas for hot water and uh, central heating and uh, standard bog standard electricity for everything else. Uh, but kind of kitchen runs on, on electricity. Okay. Okay. And how much, and I know I'm throwing these questions at you, but I just want to get a few basics out of the way. How much of your home's electricity, roughly, does the solar setup now cover? Uh, roughly covers about 30%. Okay. okay. Uh, during the day, we have two people working from home, um, mm-hmm. uh, two home offices running, plus everything else that we would have around the house. And during the day, we're looking at, uh, on, on a, even on a cloudy day, about 30% of our uh, total consumption. Uh, so Is that very... In the summer versus the winter, have you found? Uh, it would vary a little bit in terms of you, there, there's a, a narrower window during the day when you get maximum generation capacity off the off the, the panels. But uh, like the summer, it's basically everything run everything basically runs for free. Um, and the winter, we get a, a narrower window, and the the amount of generation capacity is lower. Uh, that's so simply, it goes from is right now it's roughly thirty percent. So it could go from what. Twenty percent up to maybe. Well, in terms in 40%. terms of total co- in terms of total cost and total energy consumption, can we we only have the panels at the moment, so we we're not we're, we're exporting a huge amount out yeah. onto the grid. Yeah. Um. We're actually exporting more. If we were to have what we're exporting to the grid stored in battery, we'd be roughly replacing what we're currently importing from the grid. Um, so you don't have a battery to store. Don't that have, don't have battery. In. Don't have battery yet, but that's that's the next upgrade. Uh, I'm, I'm okay, allowed so you're, spend, you're giving away most of your generated I'm gi- solar giving power away, at giving the moment away, for free. Giving away most of it. And even in winter, we were giving away a large chunk of our generated capacity for free to the grid. Okay. Uh, do he- do he- you have, do you, can I ask, do you have separate heating? Uh, we, we we still have our gas heating, yes. But yeah. uh, the hot water is now running in, off the solar panels. Uh, we, we, have, we have the eddy uh, okay. immersion uh, so functionality. R- Roughly, if you don't mind me asking, roughly, how much did this setup cost you? 
uh, cost roughly, well, we've got nine panels, so it's roughly about nine, uh, about, about nine grand. Uh, not, and then the, there was grants available on that as well. Yeah. So, so uh, under nine uh, grand for uh, nine uh, panels, did you say? Yeah, nine panels. And ours was actually slightly more expensive because we have a slightly narrower than, uh, as with all things in Ireland, builders and measuring tapes don't always go hand in hand. And our side entrance was slightly narrower than it, it should. It, 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 it will be required for the standard scaffolding that the, the installers had. So mm-hmm. we had to actually go and get scaffolders to come on site. There was an additional cost for that. And that actually led to a delay. We would have had the, the system installed uh, in May or June, okay. but there was a delay getting scaffolding because suddenly once building sites opened up again last yeah. year, it was very hard to get uh, scaffolding and things like that. So it took how long from start to finish? Start to finish. Well, the ordering was in, we placed order in May, then getting the scaffolding took until August for the scaffolding to be available. Once they came up, once they were on site, uh, it start, installation started on a Monday and they were done and gone by the Thursday. And my last basic question, what now do you have physically on yours? You have nine solar panels and then what else? Do you have a a machine or a box somewhere inside? We have nine panels. We have a, a we have the inverter. Uh, what is in it? Sorry, the attic. an inverter is, what is that, a box? It's a box up in the attic. Um, again, I, I, I'm not technical, so it, it, it's, a, it's a doohickey up in the attic that turns so the... So you've got nine panels, you have a box in the attic, is that it? Yeah, and then there's the control box uh, in, in, so the, second in box, the utility control room. Box. And yep. then we've got wireless connectivity to a, a smart home hub that connects all the, all the bits together. And then there's an app that allows me to track... Right. The usage, uh, I, like when I'm on the road, Adrian, I, I can tell when the kettle's turned on just by glancing at the app. Uh, listen, that consumption, is a, consumption goes up spectacularly. Is, is, for, isn't technology a wonderful thing? So, but in total, you've nine panels and two boxes. Yeah, nine panels, okay. two boxes. And the, the next upgrade, because I'm only allowed to spend a certain amount of myself on, on nerding out every year, Adrian, uh, then the upgrade is the, pa- is the battery, which is uh, in, in train at the moment. And sorry, the very last question, did you have to get planning permission for any of this? No. Okay. Tim, if I could move to you, you've a lot of experience over many years in uh, domestic solar uh, installation. Um, what Dara's experience, does that sound fairly typical to you? Reasonably t- <clears throat> typical. I, I, I've been in this um, technology for 28 years. I installed my first system 28 years ago. And at the moment, I'm advising as many people as I can about what to do if they ask me about PV systems and I just try to share uh, my knowledge with them, mm. I, you know, I start looking, have they space for it? Is it in the right, pointing in the right direction? Is it unshaded? And how many modules, PV modules, will you fit on it? Once I have established When you say that, PV module, is that solar panels in our language? A solar panel is a term that applies both solar thermal and solar photovoltaic, which generate electricity. PV module is more precise. One generates heat, which is the solar thermal device, and the solar photovoltaic generates electricity. uh, Only electricity, so they're mutually exclusive. Only electricity. They're mutually exclusive and practically exclusive because if you're generating loads of electricity when you're generating loads of heat, you just have far too much energy. So you cannot power your heating as well as your electricity from a typical solar installation? Um, the house of the future is going to be all electric without any doubt. Gas is going to be phased out because of its CO2 emissions and its cost. So in future, you'll be heating houses by electricity. That's Your fine, but, P- but for, for the person, sorry, continue. 
the PV system just pumps electricity into your own household circuit and it'll go into whatever's connected at the time, be it a toaster, okay. be it a heater, be it a kettle, be it lights, whatever. So thermal panels, you're saying, will be phased out. You won't need those anymore. I don't believe they make sense. They're not as long. They don't have as long a life as PV. They're much less efficient. They're unreliable and uh, they okay. produce a whole lot of hot water when you don't really need it in the middle of the summer. Okay. Typically, how many um, panels do you need for a family home? Well, the first thing I do is I look for electricity bills to try and find how much electricity they're actually using. I then look at the house to see if there are any changes they should make to improve their efficiency, such as changing from using boilers for hot water to, say, using an immersion heater, which is, in fact, very much more efficient because boilers used for hot water only. Okay, so let's say the bill is 300 quid a month. How many panels do you need to put a big dent in that? 300 quid a month, that's three, six a year. That's, That's a reasonably high bill. Now, I'll again have to look at the pattern, load pattern. I mean, I have two houses here that I've looked at so that I can discuss this based on fact. One is a retired family living in the country. Most of their electricity is consumed during the day. They're perfect candidates for solar PV. The other is two professionals living in Dublin. They're never at home during the day. Most of their electricity is consumed after 9 p.m. They're very bad. Now, I have to look at those in detail and work out how can we adjust the household operation to match the PV output and then see if they can adjust sizes so that they match well. Okay, so let's take the first example because a lot of people are still working at home. Yeah. You've a household, there are people working at home, they're using the electricity mainly during the day. How many yeah. panels do you need to put a dent in that electricity bill? The first thing is seven pa- above seven panels in Ireland, you need planning permission. Okay. So above 12 square meters. So I normally home in on the 12 square meters. Now, typically, that's about the right size for a typical household. Seven, seven panels, about three or 400 watts apiece. So two to two and a half kilowatt peaks in total. Is it? How big is that in terms of a normal roof? It's, it's, it's a normal roof, uh, two thirds covered. Something two like thirds covered. So you, two thirds of your roof might be covered with, uh, with panels. And just to, again, I'm sorry for the, the really basic nature of these questions, but um, if you put in say seven panels, yeah. for example, up to your 12 uh, square meters, and you've got your household where people are working at home. Maybe the bill is 200, 200 euro a month, let's say. How much of a dent in that 200 euro will those panels make? Well, I, the, the, the two projects I looked at, the 10 module ground mounted system in the country was going to save him 542 quid a year. A year, exactly. so that's so that's under fifty quid a, a month. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's somebody working at home, is it? That's a retired family living at home. Hmm. Now that's before he puts in a thing called a diverter, which will reduce his export and divert surplus electricity into his hot water tank, for example. Is that what a diverter will... does? So it... yeah. Okay, and do you, should you get one of those? Most people, I recommend that they should get a diverter. Um, they should. They should because it will enable them to turn off their boiler if they have a boiler from most of the heating season. That's that's April to September. Yeah. And with these new smart meters and off-peak low ta- low-cost tariffs, they should be doing it in any event because you get very cheap electricity between four a.m. and seven a.m. in the morning. Mm. And if I am a customer coming to you and asking you about this stuff, does a diverter add much cost? Seven hundred odd quid. Seven hundred euro. Odd. Okay. Installed. Okay. 
that's reasonable enough. Um, can these panels, can they go on any type of roof? No. Um, the, the, I mean, the, I don't mean a thatched roof. I, you know, yeah. I mean, in terms of typically what you get in a new build, for example, or in houses built, say, in oh, the last 30, typically 40 years. They, typically, they can be mounted on most roofs. But you have to determine, is the roof capable of carrying the loads generated by the PV modules? What does that and mean? Are, Why wouldn't it be? Because roofs are not designed with PV modules in mind. The additional loads are obviously the weight of the modules themselves, which is not insignificant. They're about 15, 20 kilograms a piece. But more importantly, the wind loads. So you have to have a competent person, which is the term used to describe somebody who knows how to do the job, calculate what the loading will be at that particular location. And it varies all over Ireland. And then you have to determine if the existing roof structure is capable of carrying those loads. It's non-trivial and it should be done. Do you, do, you, does, do I take from that that if I live in Belmullet, one of the windiest parts of Ireland, that it may not be suitable for a house that's very exposed? To I happen to live in the windiest place in Ireland, which is beside Fastnet. And right. the, the consequences down here are that I have to keep my PV panels a little bit smaller than I would, say, in Dublin City, mm. uh, to reduce the workloads, to keep them manageable. But you can design the system to cope with whatever wind loads are there, but it may be expensive and it may be complicated. Yeah. But typically, smaller panels where there are higher wind speeds or smaller systems where there are higher wind speeds. Mm. In terms of the orientation of the roof, most of us would naturally assume that south is best East and West is okay. Is there much of a difference between those orientations? There's about 75%. The, the, there's software that will tell you what's the optimum slope and orientation for your location. And if you go about 90 degrees away from that, you reduce that output to about 75% of its optimum. So there's 25% loss, typically, if you That's... rotate away from the optimum. Oh, when you say 20, so if I faced the panel north, are you saying that it would only be a 25% less effective? No, this is east and west. Okay. If you go north, it's even less. The loss so is mentioned. If all I had was a north-facing roof, is it not really worth it? Well, you have to go back and ask, why are you putting it up? Are you putting it up solely to save money? If you are, do the calculations, look at the return on investment. I always give these people sure. a percentage return on investment. And in mm. some cases, north-facing works. Okay, so so it's not a disaster if you if you you have to put them. Not um, necessarily. Can I ask you? You mentioned planning permission earlier on. Is that difficult to get? And are there limitations on what direction or what part of your roof you can put your panels on? Like it's like, can I put it on the front of my house, for example? The twelve square meters you can put wherever you wish. Yeah. Uh, now. Getting planning permission is not difficult, but it costs a bit of money and takes a bit of time. Simple as that. Come and a lot that. of people don't bother. A lot of people don't bother. With the planning permission? They just put yeah. them up? Yeah. I tell, I, them, I tell them to get planning permission if they're thinking of selling their building in the near mm. future because the solicitors for the people buying it will be looking sure. to see is there planning permission there. Otherwise, I tell them they need it mm. and some of them go for it and others don't. You'd want to have a real grinch of a neighbor to come and complain to the authorities, the, uh, you know, about the unsightliness of your solar panels, all right? The first 12 square meter array I put up in Stillorgan, the neighbors were straight down to Dunleary, Rathdown County Council that afternoon. Incredible. 
And on what basis? They're saying that about lowering the characterization of the neighborhood or something? They said it was more than 12 square meters. So I had oh. the planners from Dublin, Dunleary oh. County Council up measuring them. And thank goodness they were less than 12 square meters. My God. Okay. That's an entirely different podcast. I, I had a similar issue when we moved into ours. We had a tiny, tiny, tiny sky dish that couldn't be well, seen from the road. But there was a neighbor in the next estate over who was annoyed uh, that the, our estate had been built. And was coming around and taking notes, and I got a visit from the the council. That anyway, that's a totally different story. Um, and thank you very much, by the way, for explaining this in in detail. This is this very is uh, very uh, very helpful. And Darren, I'm going to come back to you in a moment, but just one or two more uh, technical questions here. Um, Tim, is there a difference in the panels in terms of efficiency or strength? Like, does this technology move on? Are there better panels that you can get? They're all very similar. At the moment, they all operate at an efficiency of sort of 20%, which means that they convert 20% of the energy that lands on them into electricity. Mm. And the only real difference, if you get a slightly more efficient panel, will be that it'll be slightly smaller or it'll generate a little bit more. But they're all around 20% efficiency at the moment. They're all very similar. It's very competitive, huge industry, very mm. well regulated and protected by very mature standards so if you if you buy your modules from a reputable manufacturer and it complies with the relevant standards they're all incredibly similar is there much of a difference if it rains in terms of the uh, their effectiveness um they 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 generate electricity by photons coming down and knocking electrons from one side of the cell to the other and the number of photons that hit the cell is directly related to the amount of sunlight hitting the cell now when there's no clouds and no rain obviously all, almost all the sunlight passing through the atmosphere hits them. If you put anything in the way, mist, rain, whatever, you're starting to diffuse, you lead to diffuse radiation, which is dramatically reduced. But by much? Oh, it can be down to 10%. In foggy so weather, you'll get let's, none. You get none in foggy in, weather. In foggy, low cloud, you'll get none. So let's say you have a bad summer and it's cloudy. Most I know, could never happen in Ireland, right? But let's say you have a bad summer. And it's cloudy most of the time, and it's raining a lot of the time. You could be down to half or less what it could be doing if it was in in the sunny southeast where Dara lives. Dara lives in Wexford, so well, I, with a cell facing roof, I have a, yeah. a number of advantages. Yeah. You can you can simulate very precisely how much electricity you get out of these every second of the year, and that takes account of a standard weather model for Ireland. Now, it fluctuates all the time. Today, for example, I'm sure Dara and I, our systems are generating at peak output. But if mm. a few clouds came, it would drop right back down. So the whole time the output is fluctuating up and down all the time, unless it's absolutely clear like today. Mm. And that's the challenge because your household load is also fluctuating all the time as you switch your toasters on and your hairdressers and your TVs and all the rest. And if they don't match, you have a problem. So that's is, what that's where I what I try to do, make sure that these things match as closely as they can. Is it a good idea to get a battery? My own view, no. Why? Firstly, there's a huge env environmental and social impact associated with the manufacture of batteries, which I just can't buy into. Secondly, they don't stack up financially. I do a accurate uh, return on investment of all the analyses that I'm asked to do. All of them show that batteries don't stack up. A lot of people put them in despite that. Um, when you can sell your power to the grid, the grid is your battery. It's free. 
It's there. It'll take what you uh, export and you'll get paid for it and you'll be able to buy back your shortfall. But even in the example that you gave of the couple who are out working all day, they come back at night and that's when they use their electricity. Wouldn't it be better for them to use the electricity stored in their battery? I've looked at putting in a 2.4 kilowatt hour battery and a 4.8 kilowatt hour battery for them. The return on investment on them is 2.4% or 2.5%. I suspect they will put it in. It marginally improves things for them. But the cost, additional expense is significant. Like I mean, the what, basic what does that mean? What does significant mean? Well, a basic system for them costs 6269 today. And with a battery, it's 9006. So there's a so significant 3000 for, for very marginal benefit and no real benefit when, when you're paying. Now, the, if they put a diverter in, they'll be able to put their surplus power into mm. their hot water tank and turn their boiler off during the summer and save much oh. more. Okay, Dara, can I bring you back in here? I think you are thinking of getting a battery. Yeah, yeah, looking at it and doing the calculations on it at the moment in terms of what is the optimal approach. Because again, we've got quite a lot that we're exporting and just one thing is we're looking that I'm looking at is, is how best to maximize the value. Mm. And that's the that's the key thing. And also one of the things I'm looking at is uh what whether the option of battery technology that might have failover um in the event of power cuts because I work from home. So I'm looking at it from the point of view of mm. resilience in the home office uh, and things like that as well. Because which is a kind of a premium that you might be willing to it, pay. Yeah, yeah for I, that, that. that's something yeah. I, I'd be willing to pay a premium for that simply to 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 reduce as it stands. I I will have backup devices and backup batteries for keeping mm. things going for a number of hours, uh, if needs be. And we have had that recently with power cuts here in the southeast, um, where running from from one device to another just to keep to keep working was a was an experience. Mm. Uh, but these are considered because different users different needs generate a different value proposition, a different business sure. case for the investment. So again, looking at the options in terms of the technology that's out there and, and how best the battery technology might support the sort of use case I have, which is that I'm, I'm currently, we have two people working remotely. As it stands, I have an EV, which gets charged during the day when the sun is out. Mm. Uh, that's the battery I currently put stuff into. And we have the diverter that diverts uh, surplus into our hot, our hot water and last last autumn we did not turn the heating turn the boiler on at all from the time the the, the panels were installed until probably end of end of november was when we actually needed to turn on for hot water uh, on a regular basis so you're at a still at a fairly early stage though of your solar installation as i'd say probably many people are if you were doing it again starting it is there anything you might have done differently in your setup uh, at this stage, no. Um, okay. We were can we get the installers we went with um, gave us a walk through the the process quite well, looked at all the options, and again, as Tim said, there's a design process here. It's not simply let's grab some panels and chuck them up on the roof. It, there's a, a, a quite a a good process of surveying the property, looking at its orientation, looking at the weather pattern, and then designing an optimum solution for that property. Each each one is a uh, each property is a, a a unique offering in its own right. Uh, even where I live, a lot of my neighbors would love to get panels, but mm. can't because of the design of their roofs. There isn't enough space to put them up in a way that would actually make them efficient and give a give a return on investment. Or they're 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 pointing the wrong way that that wouldn't be possible to uh, to get enough sun for for long enough long enough in the are, day to actually are these work. like semi detached or terraced houses? Detached houses. 
So detached we're, we're, houses. We're all detached. Yeah, we're, I'm posh, Adrian. I, I live in a no, detached house. No, no, but house. what? Sorry, I, I don't mean to to comment on your your choice of a boat. What I mean is, if they're detached, isn't there a roof bit facing in every direction? It depends on the size of the roof and the pitch of the roof and the design of the roof in terms of shadow and things like that. And, okay, and is there anything blocking the the panels and what could be done to 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 address that? In an efficient way, Tim would know that the details of that better than I from a technical perspective. But that's the challenge. Not every roof will fit would be suitable. Um, mm. We were just lucky that we have a very large south-facing roof. Tim, on that point, every time I go to Ackle Island, there are an awful lot of flat roofs on the house. For some reason, in the seventies, they build a lot of houses out there, literally with flat roofs. And you'll see people with garages or extensions that have flat roofs. Can you use solar on a flat roof? Well, you you put them on the flat roof on supports that slope them typically right. not less than 10 degrees okay otherwise they won't self-clean ah uh, um, of course yeah yeah and they that can makes... be held in place by ballast which means you don't have to drill holes through the roof so you don't mm. have weathering problems providing the roof is strong enough to carry the mm. weight and what about fences i saw um one case study solution uh, on a farm where uh, panels were put on both sides of a fence facing east-west. I think it was in relation to powering some element of um, uh, the, 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 the farmer's facilities there. Is that ever done in a domestic setting? What's called ground-mounted, um, which sits on a frame and can sit in front of a fence if you wish. Um, I recommend that where it works because you don't have the access access issues of a roof. Yeah. And for example, that system with the retired couple, that's ground-mounted. And it's very nice. They come in and pop down a few piles and bolt on a frame and put the brackets on the modules on them. You have to, again, bear in mind shade. Mm. Most importantly, growth, because I've seen a number of modules leaning against fences and I know they will be shaded by grass. Mm. And the slightest bit of shade on a PV module really impacts on its output. Does so that get around the planning permission issue? No, it's the same on the ground, 12 square meters. And you can't so, go more than two meters high. You can't go more than two meters high. Yeah. Um, uh, in, rural, in rural settings, there are different limits. I think it's 50, 50 square meters. But in, in, in urban areas, it's, it's two meters high, 12 square meters an area. Can you add piecemeal? Like if you put in, for example, seven panels now, and then you decide in a few years time, actually, I want to extend this. My needs have changed. We now have one or two electric fields or whatever the reason is. Um, and I'm going to apply for planning permission. And I'm going to put in another seven panels. Um, is that easy to do? Or is the technology likely to change in a way that no, 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 you oh, you put that in five years ago? No, that won't really work with this with the new system we sell. It's, it's very straightforward. There is a limit, which is imposed by ESB. You're not allowed to connect more than six kilowatts in a standard domestic two-phase system. And that's typically 24 or you know, 20 odd panels. So that would be well more than most people would be considering. Exactly. Right? That, that, in my view, is huge. To just And give me a quick note, note about selling electricity back to the grid. I think that's coming in this year, isn't it? Well, the government announced um, arrangements for permitting you to sell electricity um, from now on, the proposal is that the electricity suppliers will buy it from you at market price. Right. Now, to my knowledge, that hasn't been put in place yet. Mm. And the market price is going to be a real challenge because generally we export power when 
there isn't a demand for power. And very oftenly, there's a surplus in the grid. So it is actually mm. worthless. It's at times when they're turning off wind turbines and the like. Mm. Now, I think the suppliers will offer to buy basically as a marketing um, effort, rather like oh. the discounts they give you. But so it's that's, not that's a very different complexion on it because yeah. what I think a lot of people had taken from that was that not only will you be doing something positive for the environment, not only will you be maybe uh, making a dent in your own electricity bill, but you may actually recoup even more from it by selling back to the grid. This is, you know, a no-brainer. But what you're saying is that that's actually, it might just be a gimmick or it's quite a weak measure. Well, there was a huge pressure from a small number of people who saw their PV systems exporting power and saying, why am I paying 20 cents for importing and getting nothing for export? And you can understand that. Right. But for what it's worth, I, ran, I owned and operated the first private electricity supply company in Ireland. I had to do that to enable me grid connect my first PV system 28 years ago. So I know what's involved in supplying electricity. Mm. And electricity suppliers will not want to get involved in buying small itty bits of power from, from suppliers, from individuals. By far the best thing to do with your PV output is to use it purposefully at home. Okay. But all that having been said, Dara, I assume if the facility is there to sell back to the grid, you will do it. Oh, if someone's going to give me money for the photons, yes. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, Whether that makes macroeconomic sense or whether it is a, solving a, a, a real problem or not is a, a separate question. But it does help the business case and help help the return on investment. For, well, for you the, said, the for example, that most of what you are taking in, it's, it's actually just going back into the grid for free or uh, to you. From your point of view, it's a waste for your own personal households. It's not a waste in terms of it goes into the grid. Um, so, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, currently, at this moment in time, we're currently exporting uh, three quarters of what's being generated from the, the modules on the roof is currently being exported. Okay. Uh, so uh, at this at this particular moment in time, so yes, I'd love to be able to, get in, to be getting a few, a, a few yeah. cent for that as a credit against the the bills for the, the imported electricity. Yeah. Um, Dara, just when you were researching this, you were quite a technically minded guy. You have a history mm. in that. You're also a seasoned professional in quite a technical area as well in uh, data integrity and data uh, privacy. Did you find any of this confusing at all or did you find it fairly straightforward? I found it relatively straightforward, but I have an unfair advantage of being a hardcore long-term nerd. And right. I just rabbit holed in also... I have clients in the sector, so I, I work okay. in the utility sector. I come from a utility sector background. Right, um, so you're psychologically grandfathered into it, okay? Yes. So it's it's a while I while I'm not an engineer by training, uh, I've, I I do like the technology, and I spent a lot of time researching and understanding yeah. what was usable, what was doable, and how it would work, and then spent a lot of time talking to suppliers as well and evaluating from a customer service and process perspective mm. uh, which supplier will be the best one for me to, to to work with and this is a very back of the envelope question but do you have any idea roughly based on what you've spent on it and based on what you were spending before do you have any idea when if ever this will pay for itself will it be well, five uh years ten years when, when we when we got the, when we did the installation first, we were looking at about a four and a half to five year return on investment. Um, well, that's not, pretty good. 
for what we have installed at the moment. That was the the general ballpark in terms of of that. Now, being I mean, able that's to sell, great. That is fun, that that's a good reasonably good return on investment. Uh, that was a rough ballpark in terms of with rising prices for fuel. Could be, could uh, given sooner. that it could it could be sooner uh, with the ability to to get credit uh, for for what we're exporting to the grid, it could be sooner. Um, and again, we've done other things as well with the house to kind of improve our energy efficiency. And we 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 were relative, pretty energy efficient before, and we did we had done everything we could with bulbs, lights, uh, and the the stuff in the house uh, before we did the panels. Uh, but the return because I work from home, um, because yeah. I've worked from home for twenty five years, like my energy consumption is quite high during the day. And as a result, the, the return investment would probably be slightly different than for other people. Hmm. Okay. Um, Tim, I just have two more technical questions based on th- things that I've heard people ask uh, about. If you wanted to put in, for example, a very fast charger for your electric car, which is one of the criteria when you're buying an electric car, electric vehicle, um, does that have an implication for you when you're trying to design your uh, your solar system i mean are there uh you know internal boxes that can you know channel more uh energy for example there is a variant on the diverter it's called a zappy and there's very ev charger which sends your part surplus power from your pv system into your battery in your car when mm. it's available i do full simulations of evs for most of my customers who are interested. And it's very interesting. It nearly always is more economical to charge the EV at night from the grid than to have anything to do with the PV because you can charge it at night between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. extremely cheaply. But you Um, can charge it for free from the PV. Not necessarily. You're using electricity that you would otherwise use for other purposes if you had the storage, other storage facilities available. For what it's oh. worth, I'm working on a new, very high temperature thermal accumulator. I don't export anything. I put it into my high temperature thermal accumulator, which gives me cooking, hot water, boiling, all that completely free. What, sorry, when you say you're working on, is this like are you in your garage, in your workshop, inventing it? Is it I, I, patented it? it? I patented some of the controls two weeks ago. I'm working with a number of manufacturers throughout Europe on this. To my mind, it's a much better technology than batteries. It's just a piece of fire clay that we heat up to 1,000 degrees, which is nearly melting point for granite, and we can store a huge amount of energy in there, which is then available, as I say, for cooking, for heating hot water, for making tea and coffee, for cooking your pizza or whatever. Really very, I think, very exciting. I'm I hope using it's volatile. Using, Otherwise, we'll see a big explosion down around Fastnet. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm using the same insulation that they use on the space shuttles. It's called pyrogel. It's the best insulation on the planet. So I have a system sitting out there at the moment. It's about 650 de- degrees today. The surface is 30 degrees. It's astonishing stuff. Okay, my last question, and thank you again for walking us through some of these uh uh, layman's uh, technical questions. If you already have an existing system for heating, you know, gas or oil or or maybe it's electricity, maybe you use, use uh, storage heating, can solar play? Can your solar installation play with that? It can play beautifully with storage heaters because you can use a diverter to send your surplus power to your storage heaters, for example. Yeah. 
And in holiday homes or something like that, you get free heating while you're away for next to nothing. Yeah. You can put the immersion heater in the hot water cylinder and heat it with the diverter. That will take the load off the boiler, be it mm. oil or gas. But again, my belief is that the future is going to be all electric. They're all going to go out, those oil and gas boilers. So mm. you should be thinking about that. The probable replacement will be a heat pump, probably an air-to-water heat pump. And again, if you can get a speed-controlled air-to-water heat pump, it'll behave in exactly the same way as a diverter. In other words, being powered by your surplus PV, a lovely concept. Okay. Dara, you have something like that for the hot water you were saying? Yeah, we have the, we, we, we have the, uh, the diverter um, for the, the immersion. And the plan, like I'm, I, I, you know me, Adrian, I always have a multi-year plan for things. I'm looking at the boiler, which we replaced a few years ago. We had oil, we went to gas because there was a fantastic promotion for an efficient condenser boiler. Mm. Um, but I'm looking at gas going, okay, that's got, that boiler will have to be replaced at some point in the future. And the next step will be an air, an, an air to water heat pump, and that will run off the solar. So the key thing for anyone who's doing this is it's not, it's about thinking about how you might do it in stages. Uh, if you can do it all at once, fantastic. If you have mm. bottomless pockets, but it's also worth thinking about, well, as you are upgrading, a bit like great uh, upgrading, um, in the old days, we used to upgrade computers by putting in new sound cards and new graphics cards. Your house is a bit like that. You might upgrade the components of the fabric to improve the efficiency and improve the utility of what you have. And the, the PV modules, they'll provide the power. It just gives you a way of using that power more efficiently in the future. But that's why we kind of put as much as we as, as we could manage um, in at this stage because we want to start building, installing all the stuff around that. So at the moment, everything's playing nicely um as a, 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 a with the diversion but over time the gas will get replaced with something else and the key thing is better having that as a, as a multi-year plan for for okay. how you improve so it's, it's not simply a a, a once-off project it's part of improving the fabric of the property um in the yeah. way my dad my dad 20 30 years ago was building extensions on the house i grew up in I'm going to be adding bits onto the uh, energy management of the house for years to come. Great. Well, listen, Dara O'Brien, um, founder of Castlebridge, thank you very much for sharing your experience of how you have implemented it. Uh, Tim Cooper, who can be reached at timcooper.ie, uh, thank you particularly for easy to understand explanation of how it works and uh, how it all fits together. Uh, and that's all we have time this week for. Uh, so for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, thanks again for listening and watching, and we'll be here with you same time next week. Bye-bye.